Please be seated. Well, the survey is out. Our search committee and our profile committee, whom I have secretly dubbed Search and Rescue, have issued forth a survey for all members of the parish to help us create this profile, this document, um, to give out to potential candidates for our next rector. You should have gotten the survey by email last week. If you didn't, there are paper copies around campus. It's really important to participate in this deep dig of information. This is where your voice can begin to be heard in this process. Please do your survey. In the survey, which I know many of you have already completed, as I have, we have the opportunity to think about who we are, who we have been, who we might like to be together. The benefit of a survey like this is that everyone has a chance to reflect. Everyone. And it's important that many, or dare I say all, of us put our voices into the mix. Because if there is one thing I know about All Saints, it's that we do not all have the same opinions (laughs) about anything. (laughs) One of the benefits of being in a Christian community of this size and within a denomination like ours is that we can come to this table with opinions and lifestyles and goals and hopes as diverse as the people who carry them. Our Eucharist table and our God can hold all of these together. Our community can hold all of them as well as we learn to live with one another, as we go well beyond this idea of teaching tolerance, but well into the idea of living with one another in love and in Christian fellowship. In our reading from Galatians this morning, we are reminded that there are many, many ways to get this work done many ways to approach it. Paul reminds us that it is not up to us to tell others how to believe, to set boundaries on the ways that God is revealed, or to judge others for how they see the faces of God in the world. And, if we are really honest, this is hard work. It is hard work to not tell someone how to do this thing. It's easy to understand Paul's point when we look at Paul's example. The church at Galatia is divided over the issue of circumcision. Is it necessary for a faithful life? Is it problematic? Is it a stumbling block? Is it a signal of deeper faith? The Galatians are really worked up about this. They were bickering and fussing and renting the church in two over this issue. And we look at it and we think, maybe this is a little silly. It's a little overwrought. These days, we here would agree that this is a private matter. 
and not one that really has much to do with a true life of faith. And Paul might agree with us on this. Circumcision is not a matter of the spirit, he tells us. Pride in spiritual accomplishment is. So is sharing of resources and eternal life and good moral behavior. Paul encourages this church there and then and the church in Atlanta here and now to let go of these things that get in the way of our moving forward through our spiritual journeys. The things that cloud our clarity, that shackle us to doctrine rather than free us for love. Because the truth is, we here now in Atlanta, we don't get it right either. We, 2,000 years after this letter was written, hustle and jockey for what we believe is the central issue, whatever it may be. We bicker and we fuss over things that somehow have become matters of utmost orthodoxy, and we allow them to cloud our judgment and clutter our paths. Because everyone here has ideas about what will make our community better under the next rector. Every single one of us has opinions about who we should call and how they should behave. The survey will show how we as individuals and how we as a community define and value our ideals. My hope is that the survey and the profile that follows it reflect something else about this community as well. That even though we are a place of diverse opinions and understandings and questions and backgrounds, we are united over one thing, a common love of Jesus Christ, our Savior. That may look different for each one of us, and that's okay. Because at this table, we are freed from our need to define it for someone else. We are freed from our need to put God in a tiny little box. We are freed from the need to make rules that exclude anyone from this table, God's table, exclude anyone from this community, God's community. Paul doesn't tell us this will be easy, but... No one in scripture ever promised that this would be easy. As you might have heard, several members of our parish just got back from walking 116 kilometers of the Camino de Santiago in northern Spain. Every one of those kilometers counts, by the way. It's a medieval pilgrim road that converges many paths from all over Europe, literally and spiritually, on the Cathedral of St. James, Santiago. Now, pilgrim time is hard to explain. It's kind of outside of real time. But there are lessons from the road that we can all find comfort in. On the Camino, as on any spiritual journey, every pilgrim is walking for her own reasons. Even within our merry band of 16, we each had our own goals. We'd each come to this road, to the Camino, for different reasons. 
We each had our own struggles on the road, physical, emotional, spiritual. We each had our own epiphanies, and we each had our own adventures. And we met people on the road of different faiths and different motivations as well. But we all had the same destination. Physically, we were all walking to the cathedral at Santiago. Spiritually, we were all walking for closeness with God. Each pilgrim, or peregrino in Spanish, that we met on the road was offered cheerful encouragement in the form of buen camino, which means good road. These words bound us together for just a moment, regardless of language or nationality or motivation. Buen camino. It reminded us that while the destination is certainly important, it's the journey, the road, the good road. That's the point. But the road didn't always feel so good. Sometimes the camino was not so buen. And in those times, when we were tired or hurting or discouraged or angry or worn down, there was another phrase that some of us learned. We saw it in graffiti on the side of the road. We heard it muttered from person to person from time to time. The medieval pilgrims on the road to Santiago, when the journey became difficult for any number of reasons, would shout these words to each other for encouragement. Ultreya! they would shout to a fellow pilgrim who was looking low. Etsuseya was the reply. The phrase comes from the Latin, and it means, more or less, onward and upward. Onward. It's how we move the kingdom when we work together. And upward is where we look for guidance. Pilgrims with little in common with each other other than the shared road and a shared God can encourage each other along the bumpy journey with this response. Ultreya et suseya is written on my heart for those times when I see my fellow pilgrims here on the way, struggling with our own limitations. I will offer it in some form or fashion when I see that you are stuck or carrying a really heavy load. It will bubble up, prayer-like for me, when I see that we are bound up by prejudices and ignorances that are keeping us from really walking the good road. Ultreya et suseya. We are a diverse group of pilgrims here in this shared house. Our motivation and education, our experience, our desires are all different. And over the next year, our road will get bumpy sometimes. And it might even be tempting to point fingers at who made the road like this, to cast angry glances, and to throw around angry words. But Paul reminds us that we are freed to focus on what matters most when we let go of those things that matter less. We are free to be the children of God we are born to be when we let go of trying to control who others are. We are free to walk the pilgrim road, the good road, toward closeness with with God 
when we let go of the judgments we have about our fellow pilgrims. We are free when we instead offer an encouraging ultreya et suseya. Onward, my friends, and upward. Amen. <laughs>